I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and I would work from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. at an espresso stand, which is basically a little box where we serve coffee, right? So it rains all the time, and, and there, it's a really popular thing for people to drive up and get coffee all day long. So I, I served coffee uh, for you know about eight hours a day, and then I would come home, go to college for about an hour, an hour, hour or two, depending on uh, that day's schedule. And then at night, I would uh, I, I worked as a server, as a waitress. And so I was saving all of my money. Prior to that, I was doing bookkeeping and accounting, but I was saving all of my money so that I could buy a house. And then I was a little disappointed to find that you actually didn't need to save money to buy a house at that time. And they said, well, yeah, you don't have to put any money down. Everyone, you know, you, you can get these zero down loans. And so I said, okay, great. And I bought the least expensive house I could find. It was built in uh, the 19, I think it was 1930, which is actually quite old for the West Coast. Um, it was a complete fixer upper, but what's really unique about it is, is it had multifamily zoning. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I just knew that if I wanted to at some point tear that house down and build some multifamily. And so I bought that first house and I decided to go all in in real estate. Welcome to Grid Talk, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's episode, I've got Jennifer Beatles of Agents Invest. Now, what I love about Jennifer is that she's on the Beatles family adventure right now with her family. They've been touring the U.S. in an RV for the last eight months, and soon, if not already by the time this podcast airs, she's going to be in Europe. She purchased a one-way ticket with her family with no return trip in mind. Why? Because she's been able to create a business that allows her to be able to work from any part of the world. What's cool about her is that she helps real estate investors buy in submarkets all over the U.S., and she's developed a network of real estate agents that specialize in working with those investors. You're going to love this episode. You're going to hear about this creative mind that's developed a network to help people build wealth and create legacy. What's up, Grid? Hey, it's Rob Chavez here, and I'm super excited because today I've got Jennifer Beatles. She's in Utah, of all places. What part of Utah are you in right now? We're in St. George, Utah. So it's about maybe 30 minutes outside of Zion. Oh my God. My wife and I went to Zion a couple years ago, uh, and it was absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. And we're going to go again this year. So we're excited to do the hike on the Narrows. We did Angel's Landing before, and we did a little bit of the Narrows. So I'm jealous. And and let us let us know. I think you're all, like you're like on a on a tour right now. How long have you been <laughs> traveling? Yeah, let's see. We are it'll be eight months next week. Wow. And so we've been touring the US for eight months. And then we are heading to Croatia in about 60 days. And so the tour continues. Se- season two of Beatles Family Adventures uh in Europe. <laughs> That is awesome. That's going to be so cool. Well, listen, you know, I'm sure a lot of people want to know how is it that you've been able to create a lifestyle that allows you to be able to do this, right? And what I love to do is really kind of explore your journey, your story, right? And understand how you got to where you are today and and where you're going to be able to, to celebrate this round two, of the Beatles journey, right, in Europe. So, so by the way, you're going to go to Croatia. How long are you going to be there for? And then where are you going to go? 
after that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so Rob, kind of funny story. We actually booked a one-way flight. <laughs> so, so we're we're going to Croatia, Montenegro, Bosnia. Uh, we've got Serbia in there, and then we've got some Airbnbs booked in Italy. And so we'll see. Yeah, we we have not booked a return trip home yet. So uh, okay. maybe 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 a couple of months. We'll see. And how did you guys end up picking those countries? <laughs> they're, they're the only countries that are basically open in Europe right now to U.S. travelers. Okay, there you go. So. Easy enough. I hear Croatia <laughs> is absolutely drop dead beautiful, so it's going to be cool. Yeah, we're, we're we're really looking forward to it. Well, well, Jennifer, let's go back. Right, like I'm sure. Uh, maybe this was part of the vision when you started, but kind of walk me through. Tell me a little bit about how did you start, right, and bring us to where you are today? Sure, absolutely. So I will start the journey in 2007. So I was 21 years old, and I just I had a goal of buying my first house by 21. And um, again, this is 2007, so not exactly the best time <laughs> to buy a house. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, so I, so I worked two jobs. Um, so I'm, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, and I would work from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. at an espresso stand, which is basically a little box where we serve coffee, right? So mm-hmm. it rains all the time, and, and there, it's a really popular thing for people to drive up and get coffee all day long. So I, I served coffee uh, for you know about eight hours a day, and then I would come home, go to college for about an hour, an hour, hour or two, depending on uh, that day's schedule. And then at night, I would uh, I, I worked as a server, as a waitress. And so I was saving all of my money. Prior to that, I was doing bookkeeping and accounting, but I was saving all of my money so that I could buy a house. And then I was a little disappointed to find that you actually didn't need to save money to buy a house at that time. And they said, well, yeah, you don't have to put any money down. Everyone, you know, you can get these zero down loans. And so I said, okay, great. And I bought the least expensive house I could find. It was built in uh, the 19, I think it was 1930, which is actually quite old for Mm -hmm. the West Coast. Um, Mm -hmm. It was a complete fixer upper, but what's really unique about it is is it had multifamily zoning. And I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what that meant at the time. I just knew that if I wanted to, at some point, tear that house down and build some multifamily. And so I bought that first house and I decided to go all in in real estate. Um, there were a couple of things that I noticed about that. One is the opportunity that real estate allowed me. Um, I, I saw the opportunity to tear the house down and build multifamily. I saw the opportunity to buy it, fix it up, flip it, um, potentially you know keep it as a rental. And then I also saw how much the real estate agent made. <laughs> so I said, wait a second, this guy showed me one house and made like eight grand. How, how can I do that? And so um, I didn't initially get into real estate sales. I actually got hired on with a builder developer who happened to also own a Keller Williams Realty franchise. Mm-hmm. And that experience getting into the building and development, I mean, that just opened my whole world. And mm-hmm. um, again, so, so this was 2007. I mean, the economy was rocking and rolling. We were building houses. We were building small multifamily. Um, I had the ability to do a lease up on the side for the, for the owners of the company. So I learned about uh, leasing. I learned about permitting. I learned AutoCAD. Pretty much, I just became a sponge, mm-hmm. and uh, and they put me in a situation where I was uh, doing all of the all of the bidding, all of the um, you know like estimating on on you know how much the the houses would cost to build. I would go to the bank, get the loan, um, and then I was also kind of hiring and managing all the subcontractors. So kind of a project manager, if you will. And uh, I mean, again, this is all during 2007, right? This is, yeah, 2007 to 2009. 
And um, Mm. when the market shifted in the summer of 2008, so Seattle's uh, maybe 18 months behind the rest of the country. And so we didn't really feel a shift until, you know, the Wall Street, uh, (laughs) the Lehman Brothers, you know, crash and and the Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so then, you know, we were in a situation where the company had, um, we were doing a plot that was maybe 26 houses. We had loans, you know, construction loans on all of them. And then the bank would call and say, look, we've got to cut your budget. And, you know, they, they cut the budget by like 25%. We were kind of doing these workouts with the banks. And then we actually turned into um, kind of consulting with other builder developers who were, you know, getting their projects taken away. And, and we kind of turned into like, you know, really figuring out how to how to navigate this situation. And so um, I had the brilliant idea to, to get my real estate license in May of 2009. <laughs> Uh, and, and it was interesting, you know, I worked in a real estate office, at Keller Williams real estate office, and more agents were leaving than coming in. And then here I was at, you know, 23 years old, getting my real estate license. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I guess, you know, at that time, I think sometimes um, being a younger person, we're, sure. we're so naive. Yeah, you don't know any better. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I decided to get my real estate license really so that I can get access to properties. I mean, there was a ton of bank owned inventory coming on the market. And I was saving all of the money from the lease ups that I was doing on the side and basically all of my income because I wanted to continue to invest in real estate. And so in those first, let's see, yeah, seven months, I sold six houses mm. and made more <laughs> in those six months than I had the entire year. Yeah. And so the day after I bought a house hack duplex, it was December 31st, 2009. I quit my job. So the duplex closed December 30th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I quit my job and decided to get into real estate full time. Wow. Wow. And and you decided to do that, but not with not on the development side, right? Like you were saying that that was the job that you had before where you were learning yeah. and, and growing, but it was still somebody that was tied to the K- KW office. Is that, or no, completely separate. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is completely separate. So okay. I, I quit and I went full time as a licensed agent, basically on December 31st, 2009. Wow. And I was getting married in March of the next year. So like three months away from getting married and, um, and, and so I said, okay, so as a real estate agent now, how do I get listings? And the only skills that I had at that time were building and development. And so I called around to friends and family and said, hey, if I put some projects together, would you invest? And the first project we did was uh, there were four townhouses. It was a half finished project with foundations okay. in the ground. <laughs> Time out. This is 2009 when you decided to start calling people and saying, hey, would yep. you like to invest? I mean, literally yep. everything was well, in our market, crap, like still, we felt it yeah. in 2007, then hit the bottom in 2008. And then in 2009, towards the middle of 2009, we started seeing kind of like traction again. Were you guys seeing the same thing or like? No, we were 18 months behind. So the oh, wow. bottom didn't hit for us until about 2011. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So this is setting you up for an interesting story. Yeah, so I called friends and family and said, hey, do you want to invest in this project? And I called the superintendent who had been previously laid off from the development company that I worked for, took him out to uh, breakfast at Denny's, (laughs) of all places, and said, hey, would you build for us? 
And, you know, he was unemployed at the time because, of course, nobody was hiring a superintendent. Nobody was building new construction really at the time. And he said, yes, you know, he, he took a chance on me and uh, we paid him a flat fee to build and develop, finishing out some projects that we found. And it worked really well in that project. Uh, you know, that the let's see, the first time homebuyer tax credit came out that next year. And so yeah. that really kind of helped us. Um, my, my only regret though, is I wish that we would have kept those as rentals as mm-hmm. opposed to selling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that project went fantastic. So I was able to, in my first few months, get a uh, commission on the buy, get some list back. And then from there, I just continued to work with investors. Um, so my niche in those early years was working with investors. So either developers, um, I worked with other builders where I could find projects and, um, mm-hmm you know, run a performa for them, bring my builder in. Um, I partnered with a lot of uh, investors in those days too. We did a lot of flip property. They ended up buying in the courthouse steps. I mean, pretty much anything and everything. I was just, I just got really scrappy and anything and everything that I could do to start building business as an agent. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that first year, maybe I closed 35 deals or so. And then I think the next year it was like close to 50. And then it just kept, you know, snowballing from there. Jennifer, um, was it was it just you at that point? Or, or oh, was it yeah. you? Okay, just all you at this point. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. So you're working all the time. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, seven days a week, I would be up until 3 a.m., you know, reading code for permits. And my yeah. husband was just like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> and yeah. and the funny thing is, you know, I, what, what helped us is we were house hacking at the time. So I, I had mentioned, you know, that we I quit my job and went full time in real estate the day after closing on this house hack. So our mortgage payment was like nothing. Yeah. Um and my husband, you know, was working full time in the union, so he was making great money. Um, but we were literally putting all of our money into, you know, buying more real estate. Yeah. Um, but I, I, but I remember, you know, the agents that did kind of hang on and were still in the business. I remember one time we went to a training in Portland, and and I was so embarrassed to have been like living in this duplex. <laughs> so we we carpooled and we came back and I actually had them drop me off in like a grocery store parking lot as opposed to drop me off at the duplex because I didn't want them to see where we were living. You know, I, obviously we owned the duplex, but I didn't want them to see, you know, I was a top agent in the office and I didn't want them to see that we were living in this like half of a duplex. Um, and so we didn't talk a whole lot about what we were doing on the investing side personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was just really focused on building my career at that point. So how did, where did the mental shift start occurring? Because I think there was a mental shift for you along the way where you were like, okay, I'm helping these investors. I'm helping these developers. I've house hacked. And now, you know, maybe I should be doing some more of this for myself. Did did you have that? uh Aha. Oh, and by the way, when did, when, like you said it, Really, you guys felt it in 2011, right? Yeah. So yep. did your any of your investors get caught? Did you get caught? Like, did anything, you know, did, or did you could just come completely come out unscathed? Right. Yeah. So we, we were really lucky. We came out completely unscathed. However, we, I mean, the first three properties that I bought, they were underwater. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars and we were feeding them every month. Um, I think maybe, maybe about a thousand dollars a month we were feeding our rental properties. So they're, they were underwater and costing us money every month. 
And, um, and so a lot of investors and actually even a lot of agents, you know, at the time they were, you know, not paying their mortgages and they were just letting the properties go. And I said, gosh, you know, this thing has got to turn around. I mean, this can't last forever, even though it felt mm-hmm. like it lasted forever back then. I remember thinking, gosh, you know, there's, oh, when is this going to turn around? Um, and so we just held on. So those properties, we just got really, really good at asset management mm-hmm. and then rents went up over time. I mean, I remember a time where, we had bought a new duplex, the second property in 2007. And um, I mean, we couldn't find tenants. I mean, everyone right. was just staying in their houses, not paying. Right. <laughs> so, so it was like, there were no tenants around. You know, I, I just remember having to do like concessions and bonuses and, you know, trying to figure out how we can get tenants in these properties. Um, and so the mental shift though, happened when I went to family reunion, Keller Williams, the annual conference family reunion. And Linda McKissick got on stage and she talked about her rental portfolio, her income buckets, the lifestyle that they were living. And I said, I want to be Linda. (laughs) I want to be Linda McKissick. I want the freedom to travel with my husband. And I don't want to be working seven days a week. I mean, I I loved what I did. And I was able to make a phenomenal income as an agent working with with investors I needed to start building a portfolio right away. And so uh, when I when I would go to the foreclosure auction, I started making friends with other investors. And there were investors there that had been investing for 30, 40 years. And so I would always go talk to them and kind of pick their brain. And a lot of them were rental property investors. And um, I had another friend of mine was a hard money lender. And he had asked me, he said, so Jennifer, some of these properties that you're flipping, why are you not keeping them as rentals? And I said, well, you know, shoot, I don't, uh, in Seattle, even at that time, I mean, a house, maybe like a really good deal on a single family house was like 150,000, but everything else was pretty expensive. So coming up with the 25% down or 20% down for non-owner occupied single family, I mean, that was tough. And so he said, well, you know, I can give you a loan on this property, collateralize the equity in the house that you have, fix it up, refinance, and then you'll get, uh, I'll just release the loan on your property and you can keep it as a rental. And I said, what? <laughs> I, said, I didn't know I could do that. You know, of course, this is all before bigger pockets. This is sure, before. Sure. Yeah, nobody Brandon. coined Burr yet no. or any of stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like I called it the, what did I call it? The zero down rental investment opportunity or something. And so when I learned about that on the financing strategy, I mean, my whole world opened up. And so then we started, we, we stopped flipping. That was probably in maybe 2012. Mm-hmm. And then we were buying houses at the auction, fixing them up. My hard money lender would record a note for the entire purchase price, plus the mm-hmm. renovations. He would take a second line of credit or like a lien against another property as collateral. So I didn't have to put any money down. And then we do a rate and term refinance. And so we just did that and kept doing it. And then I started teaching investors that strategy. So, so I found that I probably had, Rob, maybe 20 investors that were buying between five to maybe 10 houses a year mm-hmm. using that strategy. And that's all I needed mm-hmm. <laughs> as an agent. You know, it's like, okay, I could close 100 deals a year and just work with, you know, 20 investors that's and awesome. then really make an impact helping people build and scale their own portfolio while also doing it, you know, for, for my husband and I. What I love about that, what's interesting is we, we did the same thing in 2008. Um, and I had actually, strangely enough, 
my friend ended up becoming a hard money lender because he was so good at this lending piece. He had the yeah. cash and nobody was giving yeah. a recently self-employed agent money to buy distressed assets when Lehman Brothers just went out of business. Yep. Um, but what I love about what you did, what I did was him and I became partners. So we would find the properties, yeah. he would put up all the cash and then we would we would refi the, you know, all of his cash back out and then do it again, right? But what I loved is you just you didn't you didn't do that, right? You 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 kept 100% of the asset. Yeah, and I got really good as an agent learning about financing strategy, learning how to structure my tax returns so that I could get these loans. Um, my husband and, all, and I also bought properties separately because again, most people don't know that you can get 10 loans conventionally individually, but most people you know, buy together husband and wife, so then you can only get 10 loans max. And so I, I yeah. kind of became, a, I, got, I, I really kind of nerded out on all this financing strategy. And then also, you know, as an agent trying to figure out, okay, so how can I save money on my self-employment income? So I started my own self-directed 401k and then I, you know, started loaning that out to investors. I created an HSA. I did, you know, all of these different things to figure out how to maximize my income, how to reduce my tax liability and how to increase my net worth and build passive income streams along the way. Yeah, 100%. I love that. And so at what point did you guys say, okay, I think we understand this game. We're buying these assets, uh, but it sounds like you then started expanding outside of your market to buy assets, right? When, yeah. What year was that? So that was 2016. And uh, so we had a bit of a dry spell. So uh, most investors started to get back in in maybe 2015, 2016 in the Seattle market. And so the prices were really you know, driven up, the cap rates were going down. And so my husband and I were like, well, we want to continue to invest, but we don't want to buy these marginal deals because that doesn't make sense. Let's start looking in other markets. And so, you know, the first question I was like, well, shoot, like, how do you get started? <laughs> where, where do you start? Where do you invest? How do you find a team? I mean, everything that we had been doing up until that point was just my husband and I. I mean, mm -hmm. he would handle the renovations. I would do the asset acquisition and the underwriting. And we self-managed at that point. And so it's kind of like, OK, everything that had made us successful we also realized was not scalable and was not scalable outside of our own market. And so, um, so yeah, so I started doing some research and, and I was thinking, okay, so where are people moving to? What's, what's an affordable market with a, you know, lower barrier to entry and something that was a market that was very different than Seattle. So Seattle up until that point was very much about appreciation. And I wanted something that was a little bit more stable, steady. And I also, you know, I went back to the 2008 times and looked at markets that actually did not experience a major hit and said, okay, I experienced the major hit in Seattle. You know, maybe we lost, you know, 25 to 30% on the value. What markets can I get into that would be you know, completely, completely uncorrelated in the next recession? Yeah. And so we chose Indianapolis and I found an agent who had been an investor, but was a newer agent. And we kind of got into a mentor relationship where I said, OK, look, I'll, I'll teach you a little bit about the um, you know, negotiations and kind of the contract side, the agent side. But I want you to find me you know, deals that have double digit returns, that have value add opportunity, that's going to be in a good neighborhood where I can attract the tenants. Mm -hmm. And so we closed on that first property in December of 2009. And then I had all of my investors that said, well, I want to invest in Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Can I work with your team there? And so I started investing or I started referring my Seattle investors 
to the team in Indianapolis and this new agent, I think he closed, like one investor closed on 10 deals with him in 12 months. And he said, well, do you have more of those West Coast investors? I'd love to continue to do this. <laughs> and yeah. so, yeah, so at that point, I said, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really on to something here. Um, my husband, at that point too, my husband had quit his job. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, we mm -hmm. had a also a, a new baby. So she was uh, born in December of 2014. And so I started to kind of map out what it would look like for me to continue to be an investor agent while not working directly with the investors in Seattle. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's how Agents Invest was born. And so I created a network of investor agents across the country by basically following that same model is what are some markets that performed well in the last recession? What are some markets that investors could get into with a low financial barrier to entry where there's high potential for cash flow, some decent appreciation, and again, where, where people are moving to. Um, mm -hmm. And then just referring business to agents who want to work with more investors and potentially want to invest themselves. So you built, yeah. So you've now built this network, and you and you've gone. How many how many states are you guys in? Do you have, oh, you, have you? Yeah, uh, I, it, it grows by the week. I think we're probably in twenty five states. Okay, maybe maybe more than that. Yeah, okay. yes. Yeah, awesome. so we're always we're always researching different states and different locations and adding teams there. Um, and are you are you are you yourself buying in each one of those states, or what's the? Tell me the the master plan with that. Yeah, so for the last couple of years, I've, I've had more of a focus of helping other investors build their portfolio sure. than I have my own. Uh, we currently have about 240 units. Uh, one of the, so, so 200 of those are uh, with a syndication, a partnership. I'm a general partner uh, mm -hmm. on a bigger deal in Texas. And then uh, I own personally in five different states. Okay, very cool. So what's the biggest challenge in managing, you know, now these teams, right? five different states, uh, or is it a challenge? Or have you been able to understand, like develop the system around it? Tell me what, what, what are the pros? What are the cons? What's the hardest part of doing that? Yeah. So you hit the nail on the, on the head. It's really all about systems and processes. And, and it's funny. So my, I'm a, I'm a DS personality. And so I like mm -hmm. to move really, really fast, but I want systems behind me to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so everything that we've built, um, so like our partner agents, I think we've, uh, I don't know, closed maybe 119 referrals so far this year. So we'll close over 200 and something investment properies. <laughs> thanks, thanks. And you know what? Dude, that's no, awesome. That's awesome. Uh, that really is awesome. Thank you. Well, you know, and, and it's so cool because for us, um, obviously for one, we're, we're helping agents uh, continue to grow their business and their local market. Uh, we're providing opportunities for you know local contractors and property managers. And then really, I mean, we're helping hundreds of families build and, and scale and grow their portfolios. Um, so it's really exciting for us to see, you know, those, and this is all investment properties um, yeah. all across, all across the country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there's been a couple of iterations to the system. So a couple of years ago, we would actually just like email refer an investor to an agent or to, you know, multiple agents that the investor was looking in multiple markets. And then we found that that was actually too much for an agent um, because sometimes we'd, we'd give them 20 referrals in a day and they'd say, how can I find properties for all these investors? Mm -hmm. And so we made a pivot and we said, well, gosh, you know, our investors, they're not so much, um, I mean, they're, they're very kind of open to uh to different locations and so we said well gosh what if we made it about the deal 
because investors have different um, you know, criteria. You know, sometimes if they just bought a bigger deal, they're not going to be buying for a couple of months. Um, and so we don't really want to connect them if they're not going to be buying right away. And so what we do now is the agents find a deal in their local market. Um, about 50% of them are off market. Uh, they fill out a form on our website and then it goes in front of the investors and an investor who is ready and willing and able to buy uh, clicks a button, gets connected with that agent and then basically they're, re they're ready and able to write an offer right away. And so that saves the agent's time. So basically our agents, I mean, they're spending maybe 60 minutes in the morning sourcing deals, filling out the form and then the rest of the day, <laughs> the rest of the day is just writing offers. Um, Got it. So it's really allowing the agents to scale. How how are you vetting the investors in? Are you vetting yeah. the vet investors in? Okay, explain we to me are. that part. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, so we actually have a membership community. So investors now have to pay to join our community mm -hmm. and we help them get pre-approved with financing. We help them kind of figure out their strategy. We help them determine their top two to three markets and really just kind of hone in what they're looking for. Um, prior to that, again, we were we had a form that kind of asked them, you know, how much they have to invest, um, obviously getting them a kind of a loyalty agreement that they will work with an agent um, who submits a deal. And um, but now we have this tight, tight knit community of investors that we launched about a year ago. And so we have over 300 investors, um, again, from coast to coast that mm -hmm. are inside of our community that we've you know, vetted that they're, again, you know, ready to go. They've got their financing in place. They've got their funds you know, sourced. Um, and so we have a lot of investors even partnering with each other to do some of the bigger deals that our agents are finding. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. You're really serving two communities, right? Yep. Which is so powerful, right? It's it's just the symbiotic relationship that exists. And what I also love about it, uh, because it's something that's really, you know, it's it's a passion that I have, is you're really helping that agent community understand how to build financial wealth. Um, you know, there's so many times where people, you know, I, I worry that they'll that they just get stuck in this hamster wheel of doing deals and never focus on that passive income. And I remember something that Linda McKissick said, because I went to her house in Dallas, Texas with her and Jimmy. And, you know, she was, she was like, Hey, this is the house that profit share built and all that. Right. I mean, it was amazing. She opens up your mind. Right. She said, like, I just, every day I focus on how can I add a dollar of passive income? Right. Yes. To, to what I do, just like, you don't have to, you know, think just $1 at a time type of thing. Right. And that's what you do when you're pouring into that, into that agent community, because everybody's so wrapped up in wanting to, to do the next commission, the next deal. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, if they're not careful, they'll wake up 10 years later and be like, what do I own? What do I have? Right. I mean, a database, but, and, and don't get me wrong. A database is, is yeah. a list is powerful. Yeah. But you need to let the power of time and, and, and real estate work for you. Right. And uh, and tenants paying down that debt, you know, that you put yeah. on the asset. I mean, it's just it's just so powerful. Right. So I love that. Um, what's the biggest challenge of all of this? I'm curious. Um, gosh, I mean, I, I want to say that we've kind of sorted out and challenged through our system. Sure. Um, I, I mean, I will admit, I mean, again, you know, I don't invest as much. I, I guess we've bought uh, we bought two deals so far this month. Um, but I don't invest as much as we had in the past, just because I, again, like I, I want to help others <laughs> build, mm -hmm. build and scale their portfolio. But I, if I, if there was a challenge, Rob, I would say that I don't think that it's no, I don't think that there's enough people promoting the benefits of investing, uh, as a real estate agent. Mm 
Again, I, th I think there's so many coaching programs. There's so much information out there that teaches agents how to be better at open houses, how to perfect their listing presentation, how to oh, cold call. You. You know, I, I, I am yeah. so with you. We are, we are on the same journey. Right, on the same mission. I'm so That's why we're here, right? Yeah. I'm <laughs> That's so why you created this community. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, our community is really investor focused, right? It's really investor yeah. focused. And and what I've what I've um but what what's happened through the years is that 25% of the, the community I find was coming, they, they were all licensed, right? Yeah. And what we're seeing right now, and I just think technology has done this with Open Door and all the rest. There's this the blurring of the lines, yep. right, between agent and investor. And what you, I started seeing where, you know, Open Door was leading with this with the uh, investor message, but then backdooring the agent message. They were saying, listen, if if our offers don't work for you, then we can list it, right? And and then you see the opposite happening, where agents were saying, hey here is listing, but if you want a cash offer instead, yeah. right, here you go. And so there was this, the blurring of these lines, right? But it was still an active income. It wasn't in buying these assets over time. Mm -hmm. But you're seeing, you know, Wall Street, you're seeing all the hedge funds buying and sucking a lot of this inventory out of the market because they understand what what a great asset class this is. I mean, just look at the, Absolutely. just look at the appreciation over time, right? And so, so um, so what's happened is that my heart has really become, you know, I, I woke up 10 years later and I'm like, hey, nobody's really helping the agent understand how to capitalize and build wealth through uh, through real estate, right? There, there's all this training around open houses and how to do a better listing presentation, how to do a better buyer presentation, but nobody's giving them the real tools and resources to to, to think because it is a mindset. It starts with mindset. It's this mindset oh, shift that happens first. Right. And what I found is that many like you and like me and like some others, like it, it was almost pre-wired somehow, somehow you just had more of an affinity towards the investor side. And maybe it was because you worked with that development company in the beginning. So your mind was opened up. Right. Um, and I call them the agent investor. Right. Some some of them, they're just they all, all automatically already have that. Um, but I do believe that everybody in that in the agent community has the ability to to flip that switch a little bit so that they could start thinking, OK, how do I do this for myself? Right. Absolutely. Um, so very cool. So you're now. OK, so let's let's fast forward. So tw was it 20? 16, you said, okay, we're going to start going outside the market and buying in other markets, right? And uh, and now you're helping other, you know, investors and agents do this all across the country. You've created this referral network, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and you could run, what's cool about this business is you could run this remotely, right? This is a remote yeah. business because you're traveling everywhere. Um, and you're doing mainly is it what's the mix between single families and, and multifamily is it all multi is it all is it a blend yeah i would say maybe 20 percent single family 80 percent okay. multifamily um and a lot of that is small small multifamily so two to four units um yeah. i mean however i mean we've had like one investor in our community we've helped him add 100 units <laughs> to his portfolio in 12 months so he bought a couple of uh i think he bought an 18 a 37 a 42 and then uh, some, so some larger units also, um, but yeah, it's a little bit of a mix, but you know, less on the the single family. Got it. 
Got it. Okay, so now what, what's interesting is that you're seeing real estate from this like larger perspective. Instead of it being hyper-local, you're seeing yes. it, hey, all throughout the US. So what are you seeing? What are the trends? What are the concerns? What are the blind spots that we need to be aware of? Yeah, so the trends, I mean, obviously across the board, there's a lot of appreciation. Um, I'm finding that like in, you know, we've been doing this now for, you know, about five years, right? Investing mm -hmm. in other markets. And I'm finding that there, you know, there's still little hidden gem markets, but you have about 18 months before every other investor finds out about that market. And then the properties skyrocket. You know, there's this uh, market outside of uh, Nashville, Tennessee called Clarksville, Tennessee. And when we started buying there, the you know price per unit on multis were about 50,000. And mm. now they're trading at about 8590. And, wow. you know, rents are going up in a lot of areas where, of course, there's population migration where a lot of people are moving to. Um, so that's a really good trend. I think the the challenge is, though, right now, of course, finding inventory. Sure. And, you know, these agents are doing the best they can to, you know, cold call to send, you know, mailers for multifamily property owners. Um, the majority of the sales in the multi-property uh, side that we're seeing are tired landlords. So mm -hmm. another challenge is the financials. <laughs> so we'll get, you know, a, a profit and loss statement at, at what's called a T12 or trailing 12 months of profit and loss that's, you know, maybe in Excel or, or handwritten. Um, and so that's that's a little bit challenging to kind of navigate through that for, you know, sometimes sure. even these new investors that don't necessarily know what to look for. And so we spend a lot of time inside our investor community focusing on due diligence, you know, mm -hmm. physical due diligence and financial due diligence. Mm -hmm. um, Another benefit that's happening, um, this is kind of a, a recent change, is actually the commercial financing has opened up. Mm -hmm. So this time last year, you know, I was calling maybe six, seven banks trying to get commercial multifamily financing, and the terms just weren't great. I mean, they were offering, you know, 70 LTV, 20-year amortization, you know, not the great, the greatest um, interest rates. And today we're seeing 80 to 85 LTV yeah. interest rates in the threes, 25, 30-year AM. So the commercial lending has come back, it's which up. is yeah. fantastic. Awesome. Yep. So basically, if you can find a deal and, uh, you know, you can find a local bank to do the financing, then you're, you're solid. It's it's great. Um, but in inventory is a challenge right now, for sure. For sure. For sure. Everywhere. And, and I would imagine um, if you're looking at other markets, there's probably three, four, five, maybe, you know, key indicators that you're looking for, right? What would those indicators be? I would imagine yep. population migrate, like migration yep. is probably a big one, right? That's number um, one. That's number one. Yep. What else are you looking for? What are some of the things that you guys are looking for? Yeah, so I'm looking for job growth. So population uh, increase, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so not, not decline. I'm looking for job growth. I also look for wage growth, right? So are the wages increasing in that specific market? And then I look for areas that have low crime, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, increasing crime is, you know, has is kind of a leading in indicator for other issues to come down the road. Um, so we, we look for a lot of those things. And then, of course, having the right team in place. Yeah. So there's some markets that we'd like to be in, but if we don't have the right team or if we don't have, so, sometimes the challenge is even finding good property management. We might have a rock star agent. The market is fantastic, but there's lacking in a property manager uh, right. that can specifically do, because a lot of the property managers that we work with, they do um, upfront renovation. So they'll, mm -hmm. they'll do like project management services uh, for the initial upfront renovation. 
Um, but yeah, finding good property managers can can be pretty can be pretty tricky right now. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so that's that's interesting. Um, yes. By the way, I did invest in one of those uh, communities where population was was uh, yeah. was decreasing. Right. Yeah. Ooh, it's tough. Um, tough in a market like that, and you've got to be careful, right? That there are Absolutely. because there's a lot of there there are people that this isn't. You know, there are people that have done what you do, what I do, and, yeah. and, and they, they're pointing people to markets where population is declining. And just because yeah. it's a, a cheap property that you buy for twenty-five or forty or $50,000 doesn't mean it's a good deal, right? It looks right. good on paper, but it just yeah. doesn't translate that way. So, um, And be sure careful with turnkey. Be careful with turnkey companies. Right. I've seen, I've had a lot of friends that have been, uh, you know, scammed or, um, you know, bought properties from turnkey companies and they're basically, you know, in D class or F class neighborhoods, um, the nicest house in the neighborhood and not able to attract good tenants. And so you really want to be careful, you know, real estate investing is, is the one asset class that you can actually put money in and then lose money. (laughs) So not only can you lose your initial investment, but you could be paying every month, right. To keep it. So just be really careful. Um, but if you're investing in the right areas with the right team and you follow a, you know, a, a good due diligence process, then, then, then you're good. A good month. Yeah. And, and I'm just curious, is it, um, is your backend operations just, you got, do you have like virtual assistants to help you with any of this stuff or is it, uh, or is it just, you guys are just lean and mean traveling around yeah. the US. Right? <laughs> no, no. So we have a rock star team of five uh, okay. that everyone works remotely. Everyone invests in real estate. Uh, everyone's just super passionate about helping our members and our agents get results. So yeah, um, I, I play a very, very small part <laughs> in the business these days. Um, and really they, yeah, they, they run the show. They're the, they're the heroes in this business for sure. Are they, are they, um, uh, coaching and consulting the agents. I mean, the other the, the other teams and the investors. Yeah, yeah. So we do have yep some coaches and consultants. I mean, we have uh, Dina, who's our general manager. Uh, she was a client of mine uh, about eleven oh, years ago. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So she uh, she had lost a husband and had mm-hmm. some life insurance money, and we developed a plan to uh, to help her achieve financial freedom. And so now she owns, I think, in four different states. Uh, yeah, they they net maybe fifteen thousand dollars a month from their rental portfolio. Her That's husband awesome. retired ten years early, and and yeah, and she just loves it. So you know, of course, certainly she does not have to work, but she does, and she you know kind of really runs the show here at Agents Invest. That's super cool, right? That you've got uh, a, a GM that has done it, so she's passionate about yes. it, right? Yes. And she can help really kind of spearhead it. So what? So then, um, what does that leave you, Jennifer? What is your <laughs> one thing, right? And what what do you see for yourself over the next three, four, five years? Yeah. So the last couple of years, we've really focused on the investor side, and we have a lot of content. We have a lot of kind of systems and processes to help our you know new and experienced investors really scale up and achieve their financial freedom goals. Mm-hmm. And so my focus right now is really on the agent side. 
I have a dream, and Rob, I know you share this this vision too, of I want to see investor agents all across the country. I want to see tens of thousands of agents working with investors and investing personally. And so, so really, yeah, that's that's where I spend a lot of my time is you know coaching and creating content related to real estate agents and helping them kind of understand this side of the business uh, because they're really not teaching what we're talking about here at the brokerage level. Um, I don't know why. I know you know that was uh, you know Gary Keller wrote the hold book, um, and uh, but. But, and, and then I think my, my coach said that that was actually the, the least selling book of all. It of was. Them. It's a book. Yeah. It's like nine and books. And I don't understand. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, um, I think it's because you can't teach what you don't know. Right. And so many brokers, like a lot of brokers just got into that kind of transaction piece. And of course, I'm not saying all, right. There's a, a but they, they, they teach what they know and they were good at it and they're good at that active income side. And, um, uh, but I, th I think it, I think new voices are emerging, right? New forces are emerging to really help with that. And, and obviously we've got people that have, have led the way and, and paved the path for us. I mean, you look at Lyndon at what Linda and Jimmy have done. And, um, I remember when I went to their place and they had the war room, right in their office and it was just like okay this is this is what we've got this is what we're building and i was like this is cool and i i i want to be part of this right i was already playing that but you know when you when you when you get poured into by people that just Absolutely. have done it at a really high level it just opens up your mind right and if you're not careful this business does take you off track like one of the things i will Absolutely. tell you is i did a lot of buying a lot of buying between the years uh, 1999 and 2010, and then I then I then I focused a lot on building the team, the agent team, and I stopped investing as much as I did because one, I actually thought everything was overpriced in 2010, 2011. If you can believe that, <laughs> right? Because I was just picking up things at pennies on the dollar in 2008. Um, I kick myself for not doing more then, right? But when's the when's the best time to plant a tree, right? Twenty years ago, what's the second best time? Like right now, right? right? Yeah. And especially if you've got a long term vision, right, for your life, and and if and if you're smart about it, right, you don't want to speculate. There's a difference between speculators and investors. And what it sounds like you're teaching, you know, your community to do is, is to be really smart investors, right? Really understand the numbers, understand the market, the markets. So, um, so I love what you're doing, Jennifer. I think it's so cool, yeah. right? And, and I'm glad that we were able to, to kind of connect. And I love the fact that you um, are living out a lifestyle as you build this business, right? How old, how old are your little ones? So we have one daughter and she's six. Okay, you got one, one, and she's six, right? Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Um, making memories right now, right for sure. Every day. Every day, <laughs> yeah. Ours is nineteen; just turned nineteen, which is crazy, oh, right? Blows my mind. So, very cool. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing time. If somebody wants to find you, if somebody wants to, you know, we're obviously going to put it in the show notes and and all the rest. Yeah. Um, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, so our agent-focused website is agentsinvest.com. 
And if you're an investor listening, interested in building and scaling your portfolio, addicted to ROI is our investor site. I love it. Very, very cool. <laughs> Anything that I haven't asked you that you feel like you'd, you'd love to kind of share with, with our community, the grid community? Um, you know, I just want to make one more point is, um, you know, of course, it's, you know, my husband and I, we have, we have 240 units in five different states, and that sound, might sound like a lot, but really it was just one rental at a time. Mm. And even um, in her early years, we bought one rental a year. So mm -hmm. even one rental property a year will completely change your life. Mm -hmm. So don't think that you have to don't don't make this sound too overwhelming. You don't have to go out and, you know, buy hundreds of units to really make an impact in your financial situation. Just really buying one great deal at a time is going to completely change your life. I love that. Right. It, it sets you down. A, um, it sets you on a journey. Oh, absolutely. Any any good books that you recommend? Oh, I love the four hour work week. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I got I it right it. there. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. Right. I remember reading that uh, in Costa Rica on a hammock and being like, yes. Right. And it's funny because I then um, obviously, you know, you want to start putting the, the book in the practice. And then my wife's brother was like, Rob, um, you're working like 15 hours a day. I think you miss chapters, <laughs> you know, like two to like 14. Right. And I'm like, I'm this is fun. This is passion, right? This is, yeah. you know, so, but it's, it, it, it is a great book for sure. Oh, it's fantastic. So, well, Jennifer, thanks so much for sharing time on Grid Talk with us today. Um, I, I so much enjoyed it. So take care. Thanks so much. Oh, thanks, Rob. You take care. Bye. Bye.